So I want to start with uh, Titus chapter number 3. I'd like to read verse 3 through 7. It says, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Now, oftentimes when we gather together, we will talk about what it means to be saved, or I might even describe to you the character of someone who has genuinely been born again into the family of God. But this morning, I want to take a little bit of time to examine how the Lord describes the testimony of the lost, hell-bound sinner. Because I'll tell you what, folks, the reality is that oftentimes those who are lost have a hard time recognizing and admitting that they are lost and that they need to be born again. And you know, as even Brother Darrell was addressing this morning, oftentimes we're so quick to just pat them on the back and say, oh, sure, you prayed a prayer, you're okay, you're fine, when their life clearly demonstrates and testifies contrary to that, you definitely don't need to do that. Notice here in this text, okay, um, the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us here in verse number three that we ourselves also were sometimes, uh, meaning that at some time in the past, this is the way that we were. Okay, this is how we used to be, right? And then he proceeds to describe how we were uh, before in the rest of verse number three. Now, starting in verse number four, he says, but after that, and then he proceeds to share with us in those verses uh, how we were saved by his, according to his mercy and justified through his grace and, and made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. But no matter how you look at it, friend, Paul is very clearly telling us he is very clearly describing for us in verse 3 uh, the lives and the testimony and the condition that they had before they got saved. And I'll tell you, it is extremely important for us to see and to recognize, listen now, that their lives completely changed when they got saved. That's the testimony of a Christian. He says, this is what they were. Underlined in your Bible. This is what they were. But after that, guess what? Things changed <laughs> when they truly got saved. Now, some people might say, oh, well, preacher, that's the only place in the Bible that says were. Well, I'll tell you what, it talks about this in a number of different places, doesn't it? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, this is a text I like to use frequently when I go out door to door. Verse 9 through 11 says, Now uh, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. 
Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Right? And then verse number 11. What? And such were some of you. But ye are washed. <laughs> but ye are sanctified. Amen. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. Aren't you glad there's a what you used to be? Amen. The Bible makes us very abundantly clear that if you have not been changed, it's because you've not been born again. Also in Ephesians chapter number 2. <clears throat> Verse number 1 through 5. And you hath he quickened, that means made alive, who what? Were dead. And trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past, I mean, this is the way that you used to be, ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power there, meaning Satan, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all what? Had our conversation when? In times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And again, the word and word by nature, the children of wrath, even as others. But God, aren't you glad for that? But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Amen. You notice very clearly there was a times past. There was a what you were, right? Uh, you also look at 1 Peter. 1 Peter and chapter number 4. And verse number 1 through 4. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh... Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he, he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, Excessive wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. This is what happened in time past of your life, right? And then he says this, Wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot speaking evil of you. What happened? All those you used to run would look at you now and say, Hey, what happened to him? He won't go party with us anymore. He won't go drink with us anymore. He won't go tell dirty jokes with us anymore and participate in all this mess that we're involved in. What happened to him? Listen, there's a word. There's a time's past when someone genuinely gets born again. And it is so vital for us to understand this that there must be a what you were before you got saved. That is the truth. And you know what? There's got to be a what you have become after you get saved as well. And if there really is no change, 
that there would have been no need for Brother Paul to say that this is what we were. But Paul did say, this is what you were, because the reality is that an individual who's truly been born again by the power of God will be a completely changed individual. And if you have remained the same after you profess to get saved, then be assured, friend, that you do not possess the salvation that God speaks of in this book. You see, many pray prayers. Brother Darrell even testified about doing that this morning. Many pray prayers. Many do religious things. But they have not been changed. You see what I'm saying? They've not been changed. They have not been born again, right? You see, there is no what they were because... The only thing different in their life is that they've prayed some sort of prayer or done some sort of religious thing. But other than that, they have remained the same. And if we could call that salvation, Jesus would have never told us, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Because listen, folks, being born again implies that you are being made completely new. You're being completely changed. Like that caterpillar turning into a butterfly, right? Completely changed, completely new. And so don't deceive yourself into thinking that because you prayed in some religious thing that you are saved and you're going to get into heaven. Nowhere in the Bible does, do you find Jesus saying, except a man pray, he cannot see the kingdom of God. But Jesus said, except ye repent, ye shall likewise perish. And except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Both of those statements of Christ make it very evident and clear that if your life remains unchanged, you are not saved. Now, granted, some get religion. Getting religion is not getting saved. Getting religion is not being born again. A lot of people get religion, but they don't get born again. And you need to be changed. The Pharisees had religion. And Jesus said, you they must justify yourselves before men, but your hearts are not right with God. You're right at sepulchers, but inside it's, it's full of all uncleanness. It's full of dead men's bones. There's nothingness there. It's emptiness. Hey, that's not what you need. You're still dead in your trespasses and sins. You must be born again. Amen. You see, you may be religious, and most are. I mean, almost everybody you talk to is religious in some manner or form. Really, even the evolutionists and atheists are, are religious in what they believe and think. But you're not born again. Jesus said in John 3, 7, ye must be born again. This is not an option. You cannot go to heaven unless you've been born again. That means you cannot go to heaven unless you have genuinely been changed by the power of God. There are no exceptions here. This is the only way. This is the only way. 
And so as we examine this verse this morning, describes what Paul says they were before they got saved. I want you to examine yourself. I want you to ask yourself, is this describing me? Maybe even have some loved ones that are close to you. They're telling you they're saved. Is, is this describing them or do they have the testimony of someone that's really been born again? Or can I honestly, with Paul, can I testify, yes, that was me. Amen. That was me. But I've been changed by the power of God because God moved into my life and God made me new. And I was born again into the family of God. Let us ask ourselves these questions as we look at this text this morning. Titus chapter number, number three, verse number three. Let us read it one more time, and then we'll look at this. Let's see. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Um... I want you to notice here six things that he brings out about the character of the man that's not been born again. And maybe not all of these would definitively describe them, but most of them will. And the truth is, if you've been born again, really the opposite of this should be seen, being seen in your life. The first of all, the first thing that I see here is a dumb ignorance. The Bible says in verse number three, notice that word, it says foolish. Foolish. God says the things of this world are foolish. And the world looks at the preaching of the cross, it says in 1 Corinthians. It looks at that and says the preaching of the cross, the gospel, it's, it's foolishness. But we know it's the power of God and the salvation of man. We understand that. Listen, friend, it is foolish, it is ignorant to refuse to repent and to turn to and trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior. And let me tell you, there are yet many out there today who the Bible describes as being willingly ignorant. <laughs> That's what it says in First and Second Peter chapter 3, verse 5. It says there's, there's those out here today that they are willingly ignorant. And the truth is, in that same text in 2 Peter 3, God says he isn't willing that any should perish, but that all should come to, to repentance. That's what it says in 2 Peter 3, 9. But you know, folks, there are many out there who of their own free will, they reject the idea that they need to repent. They reject the idea that they need to believe in and trust in Jesus Christ in order to be saved. And so instead of believing God's word and acknowledging the truth and turning to God to trust him and follow him as Lord and Savior, they choose to be willingly ignorant so they can just try to justify themselves in their own position rather than submit themselves to God and trust him and be saved. You know, I think quite often people choose to willingly be ignorant. And I've watched people, right. when I think about this, they choose to be willingly ignorant because they would rather justify their sinful, wrong behavior and wicked behavior rather than truly repent of that, that they might trust in and follow Christ. What about you? Are you choosing to be willingly ignorant? Or can you honestly say 
that I have repented to the acknowledging of the truth that I might trust in Christ and follow him as my Lord and Savior. Let me tell you, it's, it's truly foolish to reject God's word for your own ideas. And yet that's what the vast majority is doing out there today. You ask 10 people on the street how they're getting to heaven. What are they going to tell you? Or they're even more than going to tell you. I'm a good person, right? I go to this church. I go to that church. I've been baptized. I prayed a prayer. Hey, within the independent fundamental Baptist movement, almost everybody has prayed a prayer and asked Jesus to come into their heart. And they're still just living like the devil himself. Our churches are full of them. But they'll justify themselves in that prayer. And they'll justify themselves in their religiousness and in their church and in their baptism and all these things. And they won't repent and trust Christ. Listen, don't trust the prayer. Trust the person. His name is Jesus. Amen. And as long as you're willingly ignorant and choosing by your own free will to reject uh, Christ and refuse to repent and turn to him, you're on your way to hell, friend. Amen. It is foolish. It's ignorant. It's stupid. Because the God of all glory gave you some common sense. Listen, the Bible, Bible says in the book of Romans that he's revealed himself to us by the things that are, meaning the creation and with the witness within, so that you are without excuse. You look around and you can see there is a God that you're accountable to. And even when you're not looking around inside your heart of hearts, God has revealed to you that there is a God who created you. Have a little fear of God in your life for once and come to your senses and realize I'm going to be willingly ignorant and I'm going to repent and trust Christ. Because listen, friend, that's the only way. But you know, the truth is that those who are lost, and Paul even called himself this, he was foolish. Before he met the Lord on that Damascus road, he was foolish, wasn't he? He ran around persecuting the believers. He was very religious, but he was also very lost. And he says, I was foolish. And any of you in here, you can testify of that word, what you were before. You can probably agree with me and say, yes, preacher, I was pretty foolish. I was pretty stupid. I was pretty ignorant. But then, praise God, I turned to Christ and God made everything different in my life. Let me tell you, that's where it's at, friend. You don't need religion. You need Jesus. And you need to be born again because if you aren't, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. You've got to be changed. There's going to be a what you were. And I'll tell you, when you give your life to Christ, there will be a what you were because he'll change you completely and totally by the power of God. You know, it's one of these testimonies that Daryl's talked about with this revival. They testified that with all these people getting saved and falling under great conviction and having a spirit of repentance and turning to trust in Christ, he said it was almost completely unheard of to find anybody falling away from the faith. Do you know why that was? Because they truly got it. They were not just doing some sort of religious work. They were under conviction from God. And that spirit of repentance was granted. So they turned from being willingly ignorant to trusting in him who is wisdom, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And God made them a new person. They were changed. Of course they're not going to go back on that. God made them different. So I notice here the character of the lost man. He's, his dumb ignorance, foolishness, being stupid. 
I notice number two that there is a defiant rebellion. The Bible says here in verse number three that they are disobedient. They're described that way as disobedient. Now listen, friend, rebellion and disobedience, the Bible says, is as the sin of witchcraft. It's like worshiping the devil. It is a sin which characterizes Satan himself. And an individual who defiantly disobeys and rebels what God says is right in their life is an individual who has not been born again. Because I'll tell you, when a man genuinely repents to trust in Christ, the attitude of his life changes from that of rebellion toward God to that of reverence and that of respect toward God and submission to what he says is right. Because Jesus, the one who died for me on that old rugged cross, is now my Lord and my Savior whom I'm going to follow. And I could not do enough to love him. And I could not do enough to live for him because I've been born again by the power of God. And now Jesus lives in me. And I want to obey him. And I want to follow him because he's made me different. Hallelujah. Listen, a lost man doesn't want that. They don't care for that. The Bible says they're the enemies of God. They're literally fighting against him. They're warring against him day in and day out. That's the testimony of their life. Of course they don't want to give up their sin. They love their sin. They're fighting with God to continue in their sin. But what they need is to be born again. Amen. You see, defiant rebellion characterizes a lost man. And a man who defiantly and flagrantly lives his life against the Lord. And what the Lord says is right. He's testifying and showing to all that he has not been born again. Read for a second if you would with me. 1 John chapter number 3. Uh, chapter number 2, I'm sorry. In verse 3 to 6. And this whole book is good about giving us evidences of knowing that you know. Knowing that you know you're saved. Amen. Starting in verse 3 of chapter 2. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we, we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. Listen, friend, if, if God saves you, you're going to quit fighting him and you're going to start following him. That is going to be very evident. That is a testimony of God in your life. And that's why Jesus could say in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they what? They follow me. They follow me. So what about you? Are you fighting him or are you following him? The character of the lost man, what Paul says he was, was that of disobedience, that of defiance and rebellion against God. But listen, when God moves in, there's a new desire there. Now, now I don't want to fight to live for my sin. I want to live for God. Amen. I want to follow him. I want to honor him with my life because that's the change that God will make in us. You see... I see here so far that there's a dumb ignorance. I see there's a defiant rebellion. I see number three, there's a delusion and a deception as well. The Bible says that they are deceived, it says in verse number three. 
Oh, how many people I have met, and this happens week after week after week. And they think that they're good, and they think that they're okay, and they think that they're going to heaven, and yet their lifestyles and their lives very evidently testify and proclaim to all that they could absolutely care less what God wants in their life. And I'll tell you, friend, that individual's not saved. You know, God has a word for such an individual. I want you to read it. I want to read it for you in 1 Corinthians. I've already read this once, but I'm going to read it again. Chapter number 6, starting in verse number 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. And then he gets specific. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. <laughs> All these lifestyles, wickedness. And God says, hey, listen, don't be deceived. Those who live such vile and ungodly lifestyles demonstrate that they've not yet been born again. They demonstrate they've not yet genuinely repented to trust in and follow Christ. And for them to say that they are saved is only to deceive their own selves. That is the reality because he says at the very end in that next verse of 1 Corinthians, what? And such what? Were some of you. Such were some of you. But God's changed your life. You've been washed. Amen. God's made a difference in your life. James writes in first in John, James chapter 1, verse 22, he says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. There's a whole lot of people out there that will hear the word of God. They'll hear the preaching of the word of God. They'll hear the teaching of the word of God. And they'll proclaim with their mouth that they are a Christian, but they do not do the word of God. And it's a double standard. There's no reality in it. If you really have Jesus, you're going to be really changed. There's no question about it. That's the way it is. Don't deceive yourself into thinking otherwise. And don't deceive yourself into thinking those around you are like that either. Jesus said you'll know them by their fruits. Okay? You got an apple tree in the yard. You don't expect oranges off of it, right? You're not getting bananas off it, right? If it's an apple tree, it's going to produce apples, right? That's the truth. Okay, a Christian produces the fruit of the Spirit in his life, the testimony of being born again by God's power. You look at me, if you would, at Matthew chapter 7. Starting in verse number 17. This is Jesus speaking. And we can start actually in verse 16. He said, you shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits, Ye shall know them. And then he proceeds into verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. 
Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Well, those are powerful verses, are they yeah. not? Were these men deceived in Matthew 7? Certainly they were, right? Why? Because they deceived themselves into thinking that they were saved when Christ describes them as workers of iniquity, not workers of righteousness. Now, they did some religious things, did they not? You read down here, you find some religious things they did, but they weren't saved. Their lives testified that they were religious, but not righteous. They were religious, but they were still lost, and they needed to be born again. They needed to repent and trust Christ that he might make them a new creature. And I'll tell you, that's the answer, folks. The lost man is deceived and he's on his way to hell. And there's a whole lot of folks out there today that have deceived themselves into thinking, well, I'm okay, I'm going to heaven because I've done this or I've done that. Or they get their own idea in their mind about how they're going to get into heaven. God says no. You're not getting into heaven unless you get in there my way and accept a man be born again. He shall in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. You must repent and turn to God and trust in Christ as your Savior. And listen, when he moves in, he will birth you again into the family of God. And you'll become a new creature and you'll be changed. And there will be a what you were. And there will be a what you are afterwards. Okay, but the lost world, they're deceived. And Paul said, this is the way I was. I was foolish, I was disobedient, and I was deceived. And the reality is, he just needed to meet God. And he did one day, and all things changed, did they not? I notice number four, I see here that the, the lost man is dominated by sin. Verse three says, serving diverse lust and pleasures. That word serve literally refers to being a slave. And the testimony of a lost individual is that they are literally in bondage to and enslaved by their sin. Uh, Jesus, when he was dealing with the Pharisees, he said, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father what? Ye will do. You see, their life is predominantly characterized by serving their lust and their sinful desires, whether they be secret or open. But when a man truly repents and decides to trust in and follow Christ, Paul writes in Romans 6.22 that they are made free from sin and become servants to God. <laughs> Boy, what a transformation. What a, what a turnaround. What a complete opposite from serving sin to serving the Savior, right? And Romans 6, 12 says that sin shall not have dominion over you. And Jesus said in John 8, 32, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? Shall make you free. Does not the Bible says greater is, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world? Yes. You know what? When Jesus moves in, he gives you power over the sin that's in your life to overcome it. The lost man does not have that. The lost man is controlled by the lust of the devil and by the sins of his life. It's like a bondage that he's dealing with. What about you? What does your life testify? Are you a slave to your sin? 
Is that the testimony of your life being dragged whithersoever the devil will? Or does your life testify that you have been made free from sin to become a servant of God? Well, I'll tell you what, that's what it ought to testify. If you've truly been born again, Jesus will change your life. Maybe you ought to think about it for just a minute from the aspect of being a servant. What are you serving? Are you serving Christ? Are you serving righteousness? Are you serving yourself and serving sin? You know, I come to church on Sunday morning not just because I'm the pastor, but because I love the Lord. And because I want to serve Him. I get up in the morning and I pray and read my Bible, not because I have to, because I'm the pastor, but because I love God and I want to serve Him. I try to live a holy and godly life, and set an example before you all as well as my family, not just because I'm the pastor, but because I'm a Christian. And because I love God and I want to serve Him. I go out and tell others about Jesus because... I love the Lord, and I'm so thankful for what he did for me, and I want to tell others about him who I love so much, and I want to serve him. But I wonder, what is it that you serve in your life? You know, the Bible says the testimony of the man who's been born again is he's become a servant of God. Not a servant of self, not a servant of sin, but a servant of God. What are you serving this morning, friend? Paul says... Before, what I was, I served diverse lust and pleasures. That's what I served. Before I got saved, that's what happened in my life. But you know what? After he met Jesus on that Damascus road, you know what the very first words out of his mouth were? Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Immediately, as soon as he met Christ, his very first words were, Lord, please just show me what you want me to do because now I want to serve you. And that is the normal response when somebody is born again. If you care not to serve God, it's probably because you've not been born again and you need to be. Because the Bible tells us that we'll be made free from sin and become servants to God. So we see here that they're dominated, the characters are dominated by sin. I notice also here, and i got two more things before we finish up. I notice also here a depraved mind. Verse 3 says, living in malice and envy. These words living in convey to us the idea that this is the regular or the normal state of their mind. The words malice and envy refer to a selfish, evil, me-centered mentality that cares not about others so long as I get what I want for myself. It's evil-mindedness. And truly, it does not come natural for us as human beings to be kind and considerate and compassionate to those around us. But you know what? When a man repents to trust in Christ as his Lord and Savior, things change because the Bible says that God is love and the God who is love literally moves into your life. <laughs> Romans 5, 5, Paul wrote this, that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. And the Lord literally puts a love in our hearts for those whom Jesus died. Now that love of God, listen, it's changed me. Now I love him in return and I also have a compassion for those whom he died rather than just, just having an evil, selfish, me-centered mentality. 
Because listen, the, the kindness and love of God was demonstrated towards me. And that has changed me. So that I now want to demonstrate that love towards others as well. It's the testimony of God in you, friend. How could we say that we, we know him who is love and not have love for those around us? Certainly understand that we have our moments when we get off track, but the character of our life ought to be testifying that I love those in this world around me. I want them to be saved. And certainly I have a special love for those that are born again in God's family. And I certainly love God with all my heart because that changes when you're born again. That selfish, me-centered, care-not-for-anybody-else type of mentality, it vanishes away when Christ moves into your life because no longer are you the king of your life, but God is. Amen. What God loves, you love. Yeah. He makes that difference. What about you? Are you selfish or selfless? Jesus moves in, he'll make the difference, friend. He certainly made the difference in Paul's life. I mean, look what happened to him. He went from running around with his evil-mindedness, persecuting the church, destroying them, breaking them up, casting them into prison, even stood by while Stephen was being stoned. And then on that Damascus road, he sees Jesus Christ, and he says, what wilt thou have me to do? And then we find him doing everything he possibly can to tell others about Christ. He got stoned, he brushed off the stones and kept on going. He got beat with rods, thrust into the innermost prison, and we find him singing praises unto God at midnight and praying unto God. So much so that I believe the prison walls were shaken at that time. He was shipwrecked three times. He was in trials and tribulations of all sorts, and yet nothing could stop that man. How come? Because he met Jesus, friend. And the love of God changed him in such a powerful way. And I'll tell you what, if we come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior, the love of God will change you too. Notice here we see the depraved mind of the lost man. Certainly that changed in Paul's life. And lastly, I see here the detestable character. Verse 3 says, Hateful and hating one another. Once again, I'll tell you, a mean, angry, and hateful spirit is not of God. It is just like the devil. And if such hateful character or spirit characterizes and dominates your life, it's very likely because you've not been born again. Hate characterizes the lost. It does not characterize those who have genuinely trusted Christ as their Savior and been born again by the power of God. Love is what characterizes God's people. You don't believe me? Let's look at some scriptures. Look at 1 John. Chapter 2, verse 9. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. And you look down to verse 11. He that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. Move over to chapter 3, verse 15. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. And then you look at John chapter 4, and verse number 20. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is what? A liar. 
For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? Those are some powerful verses, but they're very clear, are they not? Truly, hate is the character of the devil and the character of the lost. We see a whole lot of that going on in our country today, do we not? And I'll tell you the reason. The reason is because America needs to be born again. They don't need religion. They do not need a revival of religion. They need a revival of a relationship with Christ and the genuine be born again. Hate is a character of the devil. It's a character of the lost. But when a man repents and trusts in Christ, is a love of God that characterizes his life and not hate. John 4.19 says we love him because he first loved us. We have a love for God. John 3.14 says... We know that we pass from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. You know what? When we get saved, we love those others who have also been saved, who have been born again into God's family. And then in John chapter 4 and verse 11 through 12, it says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us. And his love is perfected in us. And so also we see that we love one another. What about you? Has the hateful, mean, and angry spirit been replaced with the love for the Lord, the love for his people, and the love for the lost? Or maybe not much has changed at all. You've added a little religion in there. You come to church once in a while and you call yourself good, but you really don't love God's people. You really don't care whether the lost die and go to hell or not. And you certainly don't love God because your life testifies you could care less what God wants in your life. Listen, friend, if you truly are born again, you truly repent and get saved, you will be changed. There is no way to get around that. You're going to be changed just like the Apostle Paul. And just like the Apostle Paul, you would be able to say, looking at this verse, you'd be able to say, this is what I was. But by the grace of God, this is not what I am now. Amen. What about you? Have you been born again? When you look at your life, can you say, I have been changed. I have been changed by the power of God. This verse does not describe me. I have been changed. Is that the way you can testify this morning? Because God says, except the man be born again, he can in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. I didn't say except you pray. I didn't say except you get baptized or join the church or do some religious good things. No, except the man be born again. And I'll tell you what, if you're born again, your life will drastically and dramatically change. Amen. I hope that's what you see in your life. And I hope with your lost loved ones you have, you'll not pat them on the back when they say, I've prayed. Don't pat them on the back and say, good boy, good boy. Uh-uh. <laughs> if they don't have that, don't pat them on the back on the way to hell. Amen. You know what type of fruit they've got. You know if they've been changed or not. Don't encourage them down to the pits of hell. Speak a word of encouragement to them. Tell them what the Bible says. Tell them there's going to be many in that day that will say, Lord, Lord. And he's going to say, depart from me, you that work iniquity. I don't know you. You must be born again. Well, may God help us. I'll tell you what. We live in perilous days, and we need to take a stand for Jesus like we never have before. 
As we now stand to our feet, heads bowed and eyes closed, Lord, spoken to your heart. The altar's open. Maybe you're here this morning, Christian, and God has laid an individual on your heart that you want to pray for. Somebody, maybe, who has professed to be a Christian, but it's very evident that they need to be changed. They need to be born again. And you want to pray for them this morning. God had put them on your mind as I was preaching. The altar is open. Would you please come pray for them? And I hope that you'll not just pray for them at the altar now, but that you will get a burden for them, as Brother Darrell was talking about this morning, and that you will seek to find an opportunity to go talk to them about the Lord. Because I'll tell you what, we live in a generation that is so deceived, and they're on their way to hell, and they need to be born again. And they need somebody who's willing to tell them of Christ. Someone that's willing to point them to Jesus. They continue on the path that they're on. They're going to head to hell, friends. What about you, Christian? Do you have a burden for somebody you pray for this morning? We come and pray. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Preacher, the message spoke to my heart, but it's because I know that I'm not saved. I know, although I've come to this church and I've been a part of this church, I know that I've not been changed. I've not genuinely been born again. And I know that that needs to take place in my, in my life. And I want to today decide to repent of my wicked way and trust in Christ and give my life to Him that I might be born again. That's what I want, and I want to make that decision today. Is there anybody today that would say, Preacher, the, the Lord's been dealing with me today. The Holy Spirit smote my heart. This is what I need, and I want to give my life to Jesus today. Anyone like that that would raise their hand and say, that's, that's me. I need that this morning. Don't see any hands. God knows your heart. I pray if God's dealing with you that you won't run from him. It could be your last day, friend. The Lord spoke into your heart to come.